tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything that God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, Episode 2. Hey, beautiful friends. I'm so glad that you've chosen to listen in today. You know, with so many podcasts available, it's really an honor that you've chosen to listen to mine. As I've been praying and thinking about what I want to share here in the living room, especially in the solo shows, I've really asked the Lord to help me kind of capture some of the things that He's taught me in my walk with Him. Because you see, uh, my journey has not necessarily been a smooth one. Uh, Even though I'm a good girl, even though I've tried to live my life for Jesus, you know what? I've been a fellow struggler. And things that should have come easy, like spiritual disciplines, definitely have been a battle for me. And I'm going to be sharing some of that as we go along in these solo shows. Some of those places where I've really had to look to the Lord for help. And so there's really no better place to start than my story with grace. Because you see, even though I was raised in a grace-filled home and a grace-filled church, Somewhere along the way, I picked up the idea that I had to earn God's favor. Now, I knew that I was saved by grace, not by works, lest anyone should boast. I knew that. I knew there was nothing that I could do to earn God's favor. I needed what Jesus did on the cross. And yet, somehow, I imagined that after that initial warm hug of welcome, Jesus kind of threw me in the ocean and said, sink or swim, baby. Be good, do good. And so I'm telling you what, I swam hard. I had this idea that he was kind of patrolling my life. I I had heaven one day, but I really had to prove my worth to him on earth. My theme verse kind of became Philippians 2.12, where Paul writes, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And oh my goodness, I had the fear and trembling part down. I I tried to be so perfect. I wanted to be perfect. After all, that's what the Bible said. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. I didn't realize that Jesus was saying that to the religious people who really took pride in their own works. He was trying to tell them that, hey, listen, if you're going to make works the the thing that you count on, then you're going to be, have to be so perfect that you're as perfect as God is, which of course is impossible. But I kept trying. I kept trying. I, as a young person, I, I felt a call of God into ministry. And, and when John and I got married and entered youth ministry, I worked hard. I, I was trying to be the very best youth pastor's wife I could be. I was trying to be the best Christian I could be. And yet, I always fell short. You know, some people say, Joanna, as a pastor's wife, do you you struggle with expectations of other people? And to be honest, no, because I have so many expectations of myself. I know what I ought to be. And so back in that time, in my early 20s, as I was trying to serve God, I was always comparing myself with what I ought to be. And my conscience constantly condemned me with the ought to's and the shoulda, coulda, wouldas and the if onlys. I saw everything 
and heard everything through a lens of work-based Christianity. All the things that I needed to do. Since Jesus did so much for me, I needed to do these things for him. But here's the thing. It was all about me, what I had to do, how I had to perform. And all of it just ended in condemnation because even on those days when I did well, I felt prideful, (laughs) which I wasn't supposed to do. And then on those days when I failed, I felt miserable and helpless and hopeless. Finally, one night, as John and I were laying in bed and trying to fall asleep, I began to cry. All of the failures of the day just collided in my mind, and I thought of the things that I should have done and didn't do, the things that I'd accomplished, but not very well. And from the depths of my being came this sobbing, just sobbing. And John, bless his heart, tried to comfort me. You know, it's like, there, there, honey. And then he asked this question that every man knows you should never ask a woman at 11 o'clock at night. What's wrong? And for the first time in my life, I honestly didn't know. I had no words to express what was going on deep in my soul. All I knew that nothing I did was ever enough, that that even my best efforts fell short. But somewhere in the sobbing came these words, totally unexpected. And I wasn't being cynical. I wasn't being sarcastic, but I really meant it from the bottom of my heart. I asked John this question, honey, can you tell me the good news? Because I honestly couldn't remember. I knew that I had heaven one day. I knew that because of what Jesus did on the cross, my sins were forgiven. But for the life of me, I could not figure out what was so good about the good news right there at that particular moment and at that particular time. Well, you know what? God didn't answer that question right away. But in letting me come to the end of myself, he gave me the very sweetest gift of all. And over that next couple of years, I began to discover that it's not what I do. It's not what I do, but it's what Christ has done. And that he wants, he wants me to live a holy life, but he doesn't want me to do it on my own. In bringing me to the end of myself, I began to discover grace, amazing grace. How sweet the sound, because it's that grace that saves wretches like you and like me. I wanted just to spend a little time to answer a question that really I had. What is grace? I mean, I had grown up singing about it. I'd grown up hearing about it, but I really, really didn't understand it. Now, I I was offered a couple of, of definitions, and they're good definitions, but I think they were incomplete. Perhaps you've heard these definitions as well. First of all, I was told that grace is God's unmerited favor. And yes, it is. Oh my goodness. Listen, you guys, we didn't choose God. He chose us for some crazy reason. He looked down through time and he put his finger on us and he said, I want you, you, I want you to be my girl. While we were still sinners, the Bible tells us Christ died for us. We can't earn salvation. We cannot work hard enough to achieve it. 
It's God's unmerited favor. That is a beautiful, beautiful facet of grace. The second definition I was taught came from an acrostic someone came up with, God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's a great definition as well, except to be honest, I didn't really understand it. It just felt like a bunch of words, God's riches at Christ's expense. Well, when I thought about it, I thought, well, yes, that is true. Uh, I have been reconciled to God, all because of what Jesus did on the cross. The Bible tells us that we were estranged from God. We were actually enemies of God. But then Jesus came, and he died on the cross, and he paid for our sins, and he brought us back to our Heavenly Father. And because of grace and what Jesus did, I'm no longer exiled. I am brought home. I am the child of God, adopted into his family. I'm a joint heir with Christ, which means all of the riches that Christ enjoys is mine. Not just heaven one day, but God's strength and his power and his wisdom here on earth. But you see, that's the last part of God's riches that I didn't really understand. All I could see was Christ's expense. It wasn't until I attended a seminar, a Basic Life Institute seminar, that I heard a definition of grace that changed everything for me. I'll never forget. I was sitting in a big sanctuary with a bunch of people, and we were scribbling notes in a notebook as we listened to Bill Gothard talk on the screen. There had been so many nuggets that were really life-changing for me. But then he said these words, grace is the power and the desire to do God's will. Oh, my word. And he gave biblical verses to support it. And there really are so very, very many as you begin to study it out. But the one that really resonated with me was a part of Philippians 2 that I had completely missed. Remember, I told you that I had lived from Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I had that part down, but I had completely missed the very next verse where Paul writes, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purposes. That means, you guys, God not only not only has saved us, but he wants to give us the power to want to do his will and the power to actually do it. Because here's the deal, you guys. The same grace that saves us is the grace that changes us. Now, that's amazing good news. That's the power of the gospel, the power that sets us free from the power of sin. You guys, we do not have to stay the same way we are. And if we do, if all we have is grace for heaven, grace that saves us, we will miss out on our inheritance in Christ because Jesus came to make us new creations. He came so that the old could be gone and the new could come. And we're going to be talking about that in these solo shows. But here's what I want you to do. When you hear something in an interview or you hear something in the solo show that, that really kind of puts its finger on a sin place in your life or a place where you need to grow, please, please, please do not 
hear those words through the lens of works and have to try hard Christianity. No, please listen to it through the ears of grace. See what God is saying through the rose-colored glasses of Jesus' blood that has not only cleansed us from sin, but wants to transform us into his likeness. Let's live from the grace upon grace that John 1.12 tells us about. The grace upon grace, the multifaceted grace of God, his unmerited favor, God's riches at Christ's expense, and his power and desire that he wants to put in us to do God's will. Let's let God get his hands on us. And when he puts his finger on something, Rather than resisting or resenting it or letting it paralyze you with condemnation, simply agree with the diagnosis and ask Jesus to bring the cure. And then as the Holy Spirit leads you, cooperate with God's grace to change. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15.10. He writes these words, By the grace of God, I am what I am. Listen to this part. And his grace to me was not without effect. In other words, God's grace changed Paul, and it wants to change you and me. Then he says these words, echoing the verse in Philippians 2.12 about working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Paul writes, I worked harder than all of them. But then he clarifies by saying, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. I can't wait to see what God does in you. I can't wait to see how grace rewrites your story like it's rewritten mine. Because I'm telling you, it's amazing, this beautiful grace we have. John Newton was a slave trader, and he was so overwhelmed with guilt that it brought him to Jesus, and he asked for forgiveness, and he spent the rest of his life trying to pay restitution for what he had done. He wrote the famous hymn, Amazing Grace, as his testimony. But there's a line in that song that has become my testimony as well. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fear relieved." You know what? Looking back, I'm kind of glad. I'm kind of glad that God let me try to do it on my own. I'm kind of glad that grace caused my heart to fear that I really did want to honor God with my life and do the right thing. But then that grace came and grace my fear relieved because it's not just up to us, you guys. We don't have to live in condemnation and fear and loathing of ourselves and our inadequacies. We simply let need to access the grace of God that brings salvation, Titus 2, 11 and 12. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to live a holy life, a holy and upright life in this present age. Well, thanks for being with me. Can't wait to see what God has ahead for us as we travel this journey together in the living room. Hey, you guys, before I go, I wanted to make sure that you know about the giant giveaway we're hosting to celebrate the launch of this new podcast. 
during the month of April 2019, you have an opportunity to enter to win three different tiers of prizes. The grand prize is a $150 Amazon gift card, as well as a book from each of my guests in 2019. That's 13 books in all. Plus, we've got a second prize of a set of my books and DVD studies. We've got five runner-up prizes, which feature a $10 gift card and a copy of Susie Larson's amazing book, Fully Alive. You can go over to my website and the episode pages for the month of April, or find me on Facebook or Instagram by searching for Joanna Weaver Books. And if you'd like to be notified each time an episode airs, you can sign up for the Living Room email list. We've got a special gift waiting for you, as well as some other goodies along the way. So, I think that's it. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, may you experience God's lavish love and His wonderful and amazing grace upon grace. Bless you, my friend. <laughs>